The Braves' blood is in the water, so how will they respond? We've got to go out and win one in a row is what we have to do. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. From Philadelphia, I'm Jay Black with AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano and our features writer Gabriel Burns. Braves lose to the Phillies 9-1 to in Game 3. And, uh, men, we, we did get to feel Citizens Bank Ballpark actually shake when uh, Reese Hoskins hit that home run. So that was, that was something. I can't remember a recent time that I've actually felt the ballpark shake. Granted, Truist Park's press box is pretty high up. This one is a little more in the scene. But this place was rocking, and the Phillies gave them something to erupt. Yeah, this was honestly – this might have been the craziest environment that I've seen this team play in over these last five years. One Braves player told me that Dodger Stadium is a bit louder. That's understandable, bigger capacity and everything. And But this was – I mean, this was really unbelievable. So, you know, credit obviously to the Phillies fans for creating an atmosphere like that. And they have created a problem for Braves coming up in this episode. We'll look at how this thing went so wrong so fast for Atlanta. What happened to Spencer Strider? What's wrong with the Braves lineup? And can Charlie Morton fix what is broke in Game 4? If this is your first time listening to the show, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And remember that we will have new shows out after every Braves postseason game. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger, and Kroger's got scary good savings for Halloween season. Save up to 20% on Halloween decor, lights, and, of course, all your Halloween candy. Visit your local Kroger store or go to Kroger.com slash Halloween. For those of you who cannot see us, which is all of you since this is a podcast. Um, I do the reads with my hands, and Justin is making fun of me doing the reads with my hands. <laughs> no, I was actually just fist pumping because we're going to get scary good savings at Kroger. <laughs> so here's here's my positive spin on on what we saw in Game Three. Aaron Nola is one of the best pitchers in the National League. He faced a guy who hadn't pitched in a month. The Phillies should have won this game. It just shouldn't have been as ugly as it was. Yeah, that was really ugly. Um, I'll throw in a positive for you. Maybe this is so ugly of a loss that it's easier to flush. It's one of those where you can just say, okay, that hopefully was an aberration, an anomaly, an outlier. We come back tomorrow. If you're the Braves, you say we come back tomorrow, get one. Uh, But now we spend so much time on this podcast because this is a baseball podcast talking about scenarios, things that could happen, things that should have happened, things that might happen. Uh, the situation is pretty simple now, guys. Um, they win or they go home. You know, there. I think it's very clear that there is not a 14-win difference between these teams right now. Uh, I think that that run differential, which the Braves uh, won 88 to 85, is a much better indication of how close these two teams actually are since the Phillies kind of revived their season with a managerial change. Yeah, look, let's just – we're all thinking the same thing. You watch these Phillies play, you think about last year's Braves. That's, I mean, that's what you see. This is a team that's clicking at the right time. We talked about how impressive they were going into St. Louis and winning that series the way they did. And now they didn't need to be better than the Braves for 19 games. They needed to be better three out of five. And they're one game from doing that. And this series is not over. And if we know the Braves, we know that they're going to put up a strong fight on Saturday. But – 
uh, a lot of credit to the Phillies and, and you know, the, obviously their offense for what they've been able to do here. So, why do the Phillies have a 2-1 lead? Here's Dansby Swanson with Justin. They've hit better than us with people on base. And I feel like, for the most part, I feel like we've left some pitches more middle than, um, and they haven't really missed them, whereas I feel like they've been, you know, living a little bit more, you know, on, on the corners and, you know, made it tough on us. But uh, that's why this is a, such a fun game because, um, you know, you just got to find ways to win. Today felt like, Worst total worst case scenario for the Braves. The Spencer Strider situation wasn't great to begin with, but it's what the Braves had. He hits the wall. Nola's an ace, and then the Phillies just get the machine rolled, and all of a sudden it's bombs away. Yeah. Um. Or after the first two games, we discussed how it was a little bit of an anomaly that that Phillies offense hadn't gotten going, especially the boppers at the top of the lineup. They provided a little more faith today when Reese Hoskins got this place shaking with that two-run bomb. Um, JT Real Mutos had a good series. Bryce Harper hit a ball that could not have only been 401 feet I as saw it was listed <laughs> uh, against Dylan Lee. That one almost flew into the uh, the cheesesteak place in right center field. But here's where it here's where the issue I think is for me. Uh, if you're looking at this as a Braves fan. The Braves set this up how they wanted to. They picked Spencer Strider over Charlie Morton to start this game. Um, and he probably, when you looked at him before the season, or you know during the season before this postseason series, gave you the best chance to win a game. Um, if you could get to those bullpen guys around the fifth inning. Brian Snicker said they hoped to get four from him. They got two and a third. Uh, and he pitched two great innings. Those were easy innings. He breezed through the Phillies, was sitting 98. Um, and then it all spirals in the third and the concerning part was on that Reese Hoskins home run ball. It was grooved down the middle, and it registered at 93.8 miles per hour. Uh, and he had some velocity dips in that third inning. So you give your best shot if you're the Braves. You give Spencer Strider, the guy who would win rookie of the year, if not for the guy at the locker next to him. And he just doesn't get it done. Uh, and the Braves sit here with the deck stacked how they wanted to and just couldn't do it. Here's what Spencer Strider had to say about his performance he fully expected to go like nine innings of shutout ball. I mean, it's it's not May, it's October. You know, I've been pitching for 130 innings, whatever it is, all season. My arms used to go in 100 pitches every five days, so that's that's the norm. It's not like I was down for two months. You know, I took six days off of throwing and then started throwing again. So it wasn't wasn't like I didn't throw for two months. That being said, he hadn't thrown for a month, and Gabe, it was kind of like a. Reverse Superman situation. First two innings, he's himself, he's unhittable, then he comes out of the phone booth of that third inning, and all of a sudden he's Clark Kent. Yeah, he, he ran out of steam there. You look at the velocity through the – and, Jay, you were actually the first person of all of us that noted this, that fastball that Hoskins homered was his slowest fastball of the season. Of 1,550 fastballs that he threw, that was the only one that did not pass 94 miles an hour. Yeah, and obviously that's not a, you know, a freak thing. So – yeah, he looked – look, you're watching those first two innings. You're going, this guy's going to give them a lot more than, the, you know, we were talking about. This is setting up pretty well for them. And it just flips like that. And then you end up – Jake Odorizzi does you a solid there covering some innings to keep, you know, keep your key uh, relievers fresh. But, oh, man. That was – I mean, we're talking about velocity dip. That fastball specifically, guys, that was five miles per hour slower than – where he was sitting in the first inning and most of the second inning. I mean, there were some 96s, some 95.5s, some 96.5s. 
That was 93.8. Uh, Strider, after the game, insisted he felt fine physically. Whether that's not one to make mistakes, who knows? And here's what he said about that 94-mile-an-hour fastball. No, I have no idea. Yeah, felt fine. Didn't want to throw a ball that slow necessarily. I mean, it was right down the middle as well. So throw it 91 or 101, you throw it right down the middle, they usually hit it. Snip. Yeah, I mean, he even said that, you know, we didn't know why it was asked, you know, we asked him on that velocity. And he said, no, I threw, you know, I thought I threw it really good. Didn't get there. You know, so, I mean, he felt good. It's just, you know, I guess in, you know, hindsight, it is, you know, he was so good the first two that, I, I don't know, maybe we got kind of, yeah, I don't know. That first pitch he threw in the third inning was barely 96, and it was high and outside. I wasn't even close. And I was like, oh, well, that was weird. And then the next one was that way. Then he walked the first batter on four straight pitches. I kept looking in the bullpen. Oh, there's nobody warming up. That kind of surprised me that it was pretty clear early on, uh-oh, he's hit the wall. But the Braves did not have a response. Yeah. Um, there was nobody up eventually after the Hoskins homer. Dylan Lee was up and Jackson Stevens was up. But Snicker after the game said that even when things started to get a little bit dicey there in the third, they felt he could skate through. Um, and they felt he could still get through that. But I think to that was concerning because to everybody watching, it looked like he just did not have it. Uh, he missed. He had a four-pitch walk, leadoff walk in that third inning. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I did. If you're going to go off the, you know, the pitch tracking on game day on MLB.com, the first pitch to Stott was a ball, too, so five straight balls. The second pitch was called a strike but looked to be outside the zone. He was missing arm side a lot, um, and so – I don't know if there was something there in terms of the oblique getting, t- you know, that side getting tired and, and just maybe worn down a little bit or not having uh, the type of stamina or conditioning that he would want. Again, he insisted that he felt fine physically, and I don't know if that's because he didn't want to make excuses, as I said, but this was a, a pretty concerning one um, just because, like Gabe said, you look at him through two innings and you're like, man, this guy could go five. But, Gabe, this is why they have rehab assignments. And of those rehab assignments – they only go a few innings when they get started. Yeah, and and the Braves knew that they weren't going to get too much out of him today. I believe Snit said they were hoping for four innings. When it left him, it it left him. So this they're they're in this position now that you know all the pressure is going to be on Charlie Morton. So you're going from a 23 year old to a 38 year old. And we will discuss if Charlie Morton is ready and what's up with the Braves offense next. The Braves report for the Atlanta Journal Constitution is brought to you by Kroger. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, don't forget, uh, once you're done listening to this show, if you can knock it out pretty quickly on Saturday morning, we're going to be back at 
noon, live on Twitter Spaces. Myself and Justin taking your questions live as we set the scene here from Citizens Bank Park uh, for Game 4. We're going to do that, Justin, at noon before every game. We've already done it for the first three, and it's, uh, it's been terrific to be able to connect and, and talk to all of our loyal readers and fans before every game. Yeah, thanks to everybody who's joined us. I mean, that's been really fun to kind of bring you guys in the moment news um, and reactions and analysis on everything going on around this team to kind of supplement something with the podcast because what we've been hearing is people just want more. So we're giving you more. There's a chance to ask questions. We're going to be doing it again tomorrow on a Saturday morning um, here somewhere at the ballpark. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep bringing it to you as long as these guys are going. The National League's most powerful offense has had one inning where they've put anything together. So the question on that is are they pressing? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's more, you know, you just you hope you hit a stride this time of year, and, and it's baseball. I mean, you just never know when it's going to happen. I think, you know what, when you're facing the likes of, of Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, that's got a lot to do with it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's so I, you just never know when you're going to hit one of those ruts. You hope it's not now. Um, but you know what, we got a game tomorrow to come out and change it and, and, um, and make something good happen. I know Nola and Wheeler do have a lot to do with this, but the Braves are one for eight tonight with runners in scoring position, and it's two games now without a homer. Yeah, um, and we said it before the series. One of the keys was they have to hit home runs. In September, they were one and seven in games where they didn't hit a home run. They're just not a station-to-station club. That's not what they do. They can do that. They can win in different ways, but they've got to hit home runs, and Philly is a place where you have to hit them. Uh, this is known traditionally as a hitter's ballpark, a hitter's heaven. Um, and the Phillies put a couple out, and the Braves didn't. And sometimes that can be the difference, especially when you get to quiet the crowd here versus the crowd getting going. Really, I thought uh, one part of this game that, I mean, I think was really big, and I kind of want your guys' take on this. In the first inning, Ronald Acuna lines the first ball into left for a single. Um, and then a couple innings later, Alec Bohm just completely spikes a throw. Reese Hoskins doesn't catch it. There were a couple early opportunities, I thought, for the Braves where they could have gotten something, and had they done it, a little more momentum would have been on their side. And I think even early on, those two hurt. Yeah, and you also could have kind of quieted the crowd a little bit too. You know, I mean, however much that mattered. Again, Braves players are going to say that None of that affected them, and they're probably right. They've been through a lot, but it's it did help the Phillies. It might not have hurt the Braves, but it sure helped the Phillies. So yeah, I, that would have been big. I think I think they need to come out get 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 some early offense tomorrow. Uh, let Charlie settle in. I, I think it's going to be big. You're facing a guy like Cindergard. It'll be the first time this year that they've uh, they've gone up against him. Yeah, um, and I mean here, let me read you guys something that. When you look at these, in this series, Dansby Swanson, 2 for 12 with 5 strikeouts. 167. Yep. Austin Riley, 1 for 12, 4 strikeouts. Michael Harris, though he had the lone RBI today, 1 for 11. And, I mean, you're not really going to – you've got to have these guys at the top of the lineup hitting. Acuna's gotten on base a lot this postseason. Olsen's had a great postseason so far. It doesn't much matter sometimes when the guys aren't around them hitting. Uh, and I think – one thing we're seeing, guys, is Michael Harris, Orlando Arcia, or Von Grissom today, um, Robbie Grossman, Eddie Rosario. All year we've talked about how the Braves' bottom of the lineup has been tremendous and how that ninth spot for so long in the lineup, that ninth spot was the best of any ninth spot in baseball for any team in baseball. And 
it just hasn't been there. They're not getting that depth and that length, and that you can't afford that when you're also not getting the, some of the guys at the top of the lineup to hit. And that's like, honestly, this whole series, this is part of the, the charm and the madness of baseball in this month. Because we spend months discussing this stuff and feeling good about Michael Harris and feeling good about player X and feeling good about Y and the way that these things set up. And then we get here and Riley is all over the place. Harris is a non-factor. You know what I mean? Like, just different things add up, and that's why this stuff is just so hard to predict because you think you know a team over this span and over the larger sample size, obviously that is that team. But this isn't a large sample size. This is the best out of five, and right now the Braves have their backs up against the wall in it. Harris hitting a wall in three games in his first postseason? Probably you know, a, a realistic possibility. Marcelo Zuna hitting OOO, a very realistic possibility. Eddie Rosario hitting OOO, well, he's had a he's had a bad year. Austin Riley hitting 083, and his one hit had an exit velocity of what nine? Uh, the, a total shocker there. Yeah, and that's the part I didn't even mention. I'm glad you brought that up, Jay. That was the swinging bunt uh, off the mound that Zach Wheeler couldn't get to, went into no man's land. That is, if the Braves lose this series. Those couple guys and, and, you know, even the coach, that's going to be really tough to swallow because you had Austin Riley, a guy who for three and a half months had an MVP-type season. Dansby Swanson, a guy who's had a career year at the plate who homered off of Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, and Chris Bassett in succession in that series, and those two guys aren't producing. Um, you're right. There are realistic possibilities, but they needed this top of the lineup to produce – I think we also have to give credit to the Phillies pitching staff. For the Phillies, this has worked out exactly like they had hoped. They don't have David Robertson, their great left-handed reliever in the bullpen there who's out with a calf strain, but they pieced together game one. They got a great start from Nola uh, here in game three. Heck, they pitched well in game two. I mean, I think they, when you look at the Phillies and what they had planned to do, they've pitched this thing just about as well as they had hoped. And that's... And that's a really good point because if you're, when you're an underdog going into a series or going into a game in the playoffs, you're always mapping out what will it take to beat this team. And, look, the Braves might well win this series, but if you're looking at this from the Phillies standpoint, everything that they have really needed to break their way has. And so that's, that has them positioned to pull this off. Now, when the Braves won the World Series last year, they did not face an elimination game that entire postseason. They do now. I, I trust these guys because we've been in tough spots before over the last few years. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I, they're going to come out and lay it out there to, to win one more game. Huge confidence. You know, we've won two games in a row before. Um, we all believe in each other. We're all still pulling on the same side of the rope. Um, we know how, what the situation is, and we're all going to be ready to go tomorrow. That's Travis Darno. Are you guys as confident as they're saying they are? No. Not not as confident, but look, it almost sometimes with the Braves, I picked them in five, and I'll stick to that pick just because I think this team has shown us before time and again that they're just not rattled by, you know, having their backs against the wall. They did that, you know, when it was the division race. Now it's the postseason. They haven't had an elimination game since 2020, game seven of the NLCS against the Dodgers. But these guys have pretty much experienced and seen everything there is to see. So it shouldn't be, you know, that part shouldn't affect them. 
But I think if you're looking at this objectively, the outlook doesn't look great. Uh, the Braves are 2-9 and nine in series play, uh, in postseason series play, when they lose game three of a series to go down 2-1. to one. Uh, Those two wins, guys, were both in seven-game series. This is a five-game series. They do not have that type of margin of error for error, that type of leeway. And we'll break this down a little more later, but you've got Charlie Morton, who on one end is a great postseason pitcher, but on the other recently has not fared well this year a lot and has not fared well against the Phillies? I'm definitely not confident. That is not the word I would use. <laughs> uh, would I be surprised if they won the series? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I think they're road favorites tomorrow. So, I mean, look, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I've told Jay and Justin this off air. It, it feels kind of like Saturday's the series. That's not to say the Phillies can't win a game five in Atlanta, but – you know, if you're the Phillies, you're you're going all out on Saturday, and you're going to try. You're going for the kill shot, and I, I think that makes sense. So, look, we talk about everything that this team has been through. We talk about how they always respond in these, you know, un, under pressure and or in, with urgency and everything. There's a reason that it's it's hard to repeat. Yeah, it's hard to win a World Series. It hasn't happened in 22 years. Yeah, a lot of teams have never done it. And a lot of these – that San Francisco team last year, that Dodgers team last year, they didn't go for as good as they were, 107, 106 wins. This is the beauty of baseball, and it's also if your team is the victim of one of these underdog stories, it really ticks you off. So, again, they could rally, and we might they might end up going and winning the freaking thing again, right? But this is just another example of how weird this is and how unpredictable this is and why it's so freaking hard to pull this off because all it takes is a few games like what the Braves had and then the seven months you witnessed means nothing. All right. So Saturday it'll be Charlie Morton. You know, I mean, we got to win one in a row right now is what we got to do. And we got the perfect guy out there to do it. I think Charlie's been in these situations many times. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been on the other side of uh, postseason Chuck before, so – uh, I know, I know uh, what that's like. Um, you know, we feel good about having those two guys going. Obviously, not the position we want to be in here, but one uh, back back games a lot during the season. So, um, just got to come out, get that win tomorrow, and, and uh, try to get back home for Game Five. It's Matt Olson. We we well know Morton's postseason success: five wins in elimination games, which is a record. But is this the same Charlie Morton that did that? 17, 19, and 20. He's a couple years older. Uh, he hasn't looked as good, but he's had good moments this season. And I'll give you something that can be encouraging um, if you're looking at this from the perspective of Braves fans. Charlie Morton, a few months ago, back in May, when I talked to him, guys were hammering his curveball, and that really concerned him. Guys were hitting almost 300 off that pitch, and that's, you know, his bread and butter that he wants guys to be a little late on the heater. And swinging over, you know, over the curveball. Now you look today, 171 against his curveball in 2022. So that is really evened out. I think it goes to show that perhaps there's some bad luck in there. Perhaps there's something else. But the reality is, Charlie Morton against the Phillies, 16 earned runs in 26 innings, not good. Uh, on the road, his ERA is almost, you know, over two runs. Um, more than it is at home, higher than it is at home. But perhaps some of that, all that goes out the window. There might be some of that where, hey, you got to be realistic, but a lot of this goes out the window because this is the postseason. This is a guy who's done it before. He's got a .73 ERA in elimination games. 
this is the elimination postseason big game pitcher. That's what he is. That's what he's known for for people outside of the Braves fan base. Let's see if he can do it again. As far as his approach against facing the Phillies again. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they seem to have kind of fluctuated in their approaches. And, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of um, that at the end of the year. A lot of uh, trying to put the ball in play, go the other way. Um, like the game you saw against Max, it was like they, they, didn't, they weren't getting too greedy. They were staying with an approach, trying to go the other way. Um, kind of like what you saw from the Mets at the beginning of the year. Um, so, I mean, I, I've, I've looked at the video, I've looked at the, the numbers and, you know, working on a game plan and trying to get something together. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, it, the, that's kind of a, a tough approach that, that a team has to pitch against because they're, they're really seeming to stay inside themselves and just pass the baton. Charles had a rough time against these Phillies. Yeah, and that matters more than, you know, stuff that he did years ago and the elimination. I mean, but I will say he does seem to have an extra gear for this stuff. So from a mental standpoint, you know he's going to be fine. The pressure will not be too big for him. The atmosphere is not going to freak him out. So you don't have any of those worries. It's just a matter of how much that success that the Phillies have had can translate. Now, nobody in Atlanta has sent more people on the road up here to Philadelphia to cover the series, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You're hearing from three, uh, three of us right now. Doug Robertson is sitting in the back waiting for us to wrap it up so we can catch the Uber and go back to the hotel. Michael Cunningham is here with his column that you can find on AJC.com. The only way you can get all of our compelling stories, all of our photos, and all of our columnists is to subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can get unlimited digital access to the Braves after the game pages in the e-paper, our Braves Report newsletter, Mark Bradley's buzz, and all of our stories on AJC.com by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass to get everything we have to offer for just $125 a week, which is a special deal for Braves fans, and we got a special gift as well. So go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass so you always know what's really going on. Now time for our Ask Justin segment featuring Gabe, where we answer Braves fans questions on twitter at justin c toscana first question from mo flush h this may be a question that doug can help us answer best drink to ease the pain oh man uh doug you want to pop in here best drink to ease pain yeah double shot of rum double shot of rum, <laughs> shot of rum straight from doug no uh no 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 <laughs> mixer follow that one at your own your own peril <laughs> all right next up from ty smith Am I out of my mind kind of looking forward to seeing this Braves team face an elimination game since they didn't last year? I kind of want to see how they react. Wow, that is uh, that is a very sicko opinion, <laughs> but I love it. A little dark. That's, that's what I wrote about uh, kind of in the open tonight was we've talked about this team's grit and determination, their calmness you know, in, in big moments, their poise, everything, their resiliency. Tomorrow's going to put that to the test. We're going to see what these guys are really made of and uh, what this season's really made of. And tomorrow, you know, doesn't mean they had a bad season if they lose. I'm just saying we're going to see it all tested. And, no, I mean, this is what you play for, the postseason, these big moments. This is why you get here. And I think, I think, man, he's built different that he wants to see this team. <laughs> Likes walking a tightrope, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. All right, next up, and I, uh, we'll let Gabe take this one from Dallas Holchester. Did the Braves dugout think there were two outs when they walked Schwarber? That made zero tactical sense to me. 
Uh, it didn't make any sense to me either. Uh, so I, I got nothing for you. <laughs> so he was, he was 0 for 12 with, or 0 for 16 with eight strikeouts. And he's a left-handed hitter, but, and I get the guy behind him didn't have much success either, but in a, in a one run game, you're putting on another guy, which gave you, puts you in a four oh hole when you would have been in a three. If I don't, yeah, I didn't, that didn't make a lot of sense. I guess they were just trying to avoid the lefty, but. Man, Strider, to me, Strider's stuff was playing too well to make that move. Next up from Logan Lindberry. Is Marcelo Ozuna going to walk back to Atlanta? I'll ask this question. Anybody want to give me odds that Ozuna is in the lineup on Saturday? Uh, I'm going to say they're very low. Uh, I just didn't think his bats looked great. Um, the <laughs> is, Philly, that, is that how you want to the, say the Philly, The Philly fans had a, a chant for him as well. Uh, he was jeered here a lot. Um, yeah, I just don't think, look, they like him more there because he's hit better against right-handers than William Contreras, but I think it's just got to give Contreras some run there for this elimination game. Jay, I think we, I think they'd be better off with you in the lineup. <laughs> I I could look just as bad on uh, Aaron Nola's curveball. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing, the, the the crowd chanting DUI at him, him embarrassing himself up there, just, just put Contreras out there tomorrow. Next up from Patrick Cullen, is there talk slash fear that Freed would not be able to go or provide length in a game five after I looked at game one? No, I think, I mean, I don't think it's set in stone yet, but I think he would definitely go or, or try to take the ball. Um, now, how he would perform is a question because we don't know if he's still got lingering effects. He didn't look good in game one, but that's your guy. Like, you've got to go back to him. Last question is from DNWTSN. Any idea why it seems like this team is so amped and pressing? Seems odd for the team that won the World Series. Do you think they're pressing? I didn't think so. I think the Phillies have just outplayed them. I think it's easy. I think the pressing thing is like when a, how when a team scores one run, we say, man, they didn't have a lot of energy because you need offense to have energy or you need hits to look like you're settling in a little. Maybe they're pressing a, a little bit, but I don't really – it's tough to know. I think, Gabe, I think – the the pitching's been pretty good in this series. The Braves have missed some pitches that they should hit, sure, but I, I don't I don't think there's been a ton of pressing. Here's the other side of that. They're the favorites in this series. The Phillies are playing with house money. The Phillies were never supposed to be here, and I think that's mental. Like the Braves, you know, they're human beings. They know that. They know that this team is playing out of its mind right now, um, and that they're the defending world champs. And you know, the Phillies, they are really feeling themselves right now. You know, there was, I think Harper had the comment, we ain't losing to Hoskins, and they talked about it. And they're just, there's definitely a really good vibe around their team. That doesn't mean that they're going to win the series. Uh, and it also doesn't mean the Braves are pressing. The Phillies are playing really well. Uh, you know, like Justin just said, it's their pitching. I mean, they're playing well. And, you know, our guys, maybe some guys are pressing a little bit. Maybe is Michael Harris pressing a little bit in his first, you know, postseason series here? Maybe. But ultimately, I, I, that's just not how I would view it. We got one more question back in the peanut gallery uh, from Doug. Can Snicker trust Strider in the NLCS if they make it that far? Yeah, 100%. With a little more rest, I think you definitely go back to Strider. He, he was great for two innings. That doesn't matter when in the other third of an inning you give up five runs, you're charged with five runs. But I think his stuff was really, really good, and that was the encouraging part. Jake Odorizzi told me after the game, when you've got a guy who's coming off an oblique strain, 
the number one thing you're looking to see is how's that first inning? How's that first hurdle? It was terrific. Uh, you couldn't say much about the third, but the stuff looked there, you know, looked like it was there for the most part until they really got on him in the third. And there were some good at-bats in that one, too. And yes or no, uh, will Snicker keep playing Harris? Yes. You happy with that? Doug is happy. All right, that's it. That's all we got. So we'll see you back here after uh, Game 4. We'll also see you over on Twitter Spaces before Game 4, live at noon. So uh, join us there as we set the stage here for uh, what uh, what could be the Braves' last game of the season or we go head on back to Atlanta. So please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. Justin, Gabe, thanks for stopping by. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's run it back tomorrow. New shows on this podcast come out after every postseason game, so we'll see you then on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.